Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And with us today on Viewpoint, we have a new co-host. We are so proud and excited to introduce to you Jamie Wilkerson. Jamie, thanks for coming alongside. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. We're so excited to have you alongside with us because Jamie Wilkerson, you are simply one of the most amazing, fantastic, fabulous, <laughs> astonishing, striking, Thank you. <laughs> most impressive people I've met Thank in a long, you. long time. And we are so glad to count you as part of our CBH family starting today. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about how life can be more than enough in good ways. And we also want you to learn a little bit more about Jamie. Stay with us. We'll be right back. In life, sometimes we have disappointments. Sometimes we struggle with things and we're just not sure how to go forward. Sometimes there are mountains too tall to climb, valleys too deep to cross. But we're here to tell you on Viewpoint today, we're going to talk about the way in which you can find in life, even in those most desperate moments, more than enough. Not just enough to survive, but more than surviving, where you can find life and find it to its fullest. But before we dive into that content, I want you to know a little bit more about Jamie Wilkerson, who knows something about this. Jamie, where did you grow up? I grew up in Chicago, Illinois. Chicago. Yes. And just let me guess. You love Chicago. I love Chicago. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Give me one good thing about living in Chicago. Wow. <laughs> Besides the traffic, it, you know, it's such a diverse place. I love the diversity of Chicago, and I love the options of food that we have there. And <laughs> the food <laughs> options are just like never you ending. You can't go wrong there, yes. Absolutely. And it's a place with all kinds of communities and people and cultures. They all converge. And uh, I'm going to guess that you spent some time down by the lakeshore, too, because that defines Chicago, doesn't it? That Lake Michigan lakeshore. Absolutely. It does. And the skyline and the lights. Yes, the skyline. And and especially at Christmas time, we see so many more lights. And (laughs) it's just always great to go back and to visit. Um, But, yeah, I really love love even saying that I'm from Chicago. It makes me very good, feel good. But you're saying you're from Chicago, but actually you now live in Indiana. <laughs> yes, and, I uh, do. And you met up a, with a guy, and this was his home place, and you decided to join him here in Indiana. Yes, I did. And you also, with your husband, have a son. Yes. Who's one of the most impressive people I've ever met. <laughs> he is pretty impressive. Well, no, wait, your husband, Jesse, he's a very <laughs> sharp guy, and your son, oh, yes. Jonathan, I mean, what a family, what a tribe. Thank you, yes. I'm very blessed, very, very blessed to have them both. And we are very blessed to have you with us on Viewpoint because your life experience in Chicago, also here in Indiana, some of the things that you've explored and the way in which the Lord has been working with you, Jamie, have given you insight and experience and wisdom that we're so glad to bring to the CBH table. So once more, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And have you ever had an experience in your life, back to our overarching theme in this series of programs, an experience in your life where you felt like, I'm just surviving, or I'm not sure I can even make it, or I've got some challenges that I'm not sure I can overcome. And then you discovered that maybe, just maybe, if you looked differently at your world, and if you actually reached out to heaven, you might find that you would not just survive, but you'd have more than you could have hoped for. Is that possible in your life? Oh, yes. Plenty of times. Can you give me an illustration? I mean, just a a moment in your life where you felt like you're up against a wall and you weren't sure what to do next? 
There are so many different times where I could think that 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 is very applicable in many situations in my life. But one in particular was just a simple drive in my favorite city, Chicago, on the, the road. I was driving and I didn't see a truck approaching me. I was just driving along and I was younger, so I probably was... <laughs> A, a little bit distracted, but um, just in a moment, um, this truck came from nowhere and it sideswiped me and I didn't have time. Like I couldn't think of my favorite verse at that time. I couldn't think to even pray. The only thing that I could think of was that came out of me was Jesus, just the name of Jesus. And at that moment, everything almost, it seemed like stood still, all the traffic ceased, which is a miracle on the Dan Ryan in Chicago. Um, and I was safe, but I left that accident without even a scratch. And so I can totally relate to. It was a it was a desperate moment where yes, all of a, a sudden your life converged into a moment where you're not sure what's going to happen next. Yes. And yet you walked away from it and you didn't just survive it. Mm-hmm. You are more than you were then. I mean, exactly. you understand more about life and life mm-hmm. is more precious. And well, you might say you have more than enough coming out of that intersection. That's when right. you said uh, it's almost impossible to to have everything stop on the Dan Ryan. No, I've driven on the Dan Ryan. It's been stopped before, but I understand in the in the context of the minute, everything's moving and oh, yes. somehow supernaturally, mm-hmm. everything just stopped That's right. to allow you mm-hmm. to have life. That's right. Well, that is a, a terrific testimony, Jamie, and it kind of brings us to where we are in our series here on Viewpoint. Mm-hmm. We've been walking through some of the great miraculous events in the life of Jesus recorded in John's Gospel. Now, John was a man who knew Jesus personally. Jesus is the most towering figure in all of history. Many people have different ideas about who he was, but he claimed to be divine, to be the very person of God in human form. And John was a friend who came alongside and walked with him and followed him. And John ultimately wrote down his memory of life with Jesus, and we call that John's Gospel. We believe that this book, John's Gospel, was not just written by John, but actually supernaturally inspired. And in this book called John's Gospel, John recalls eight moments in Jesus' life when there was more than enough, when there was a miraculous manifestation of the power and the grace and the life of Jesus that so blew everybody out of the water that if you could just know about these eight moments, you would know who Jesus was. And that's the point of the book. John says at the end of his book, these things have been written, these events have been recorded for you so that you could know who Jesus is, Mm -hmm. that he is the Messiah and the Son of God, and that believing in that, you could find life yourself in his name. John goes on to say there are many more things that Jesus did, and all the books in the world could not contain them if they were all to be written. But these things that I've recorded, John says, I have chosen, I have been the editor out of his life to choose these events to demonstrate for you who Jesus is and how you can find life, more than enough life, in believing that. So in John's Gospel, we have these eight moments that are just like jaw-dropping. Mm-hmm. And today we're going to talk about one of the most famous of all, that even people that know very little about Jesus, they know the phrase, feeding the 5,000. It's almost a shorthand in the English vernacular, feeding the 5,000. When you say that or you hear someone say that, you think, oh, that was a miracle. When we mm-hmm. come back, Jamie, let's read that story and pull some lessons out that can help all of us know how we can also have more than enough. 
John, the author of the New Testament book that bears his name, was an eyewitness to the things he recorded. John's gospel is his biography, if you will, of Jesus. And in this biography, he has captured eight moments out of the life of Jesus that he thinks are so compelling that, well, if we just would study them, if we would just know about them, if we could just imagine them, we'd know who Jesus is and we could find ourselves in that knowledge. Jamie Wilkerson, I know you have right before you this story from John chapter 6. It's the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Could you just give us a glimpse of that story and take us from the top? John chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Wow. I mean, here's a story. that is so vivid in its detail. Jamie, did you know this, that this is the only miracle of Jesus that is recorded four times in the New Testament? There's the resurrection of Jesus, of course, the story of him rising from the dead, that's a miracle. That's in four places. But other than the resurrection, only this story, the feeding of the 5,000, appears in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, and in John. And that says to me that the Holy Spirit, that is the ultimate editor of the New Testament, is trying to emphasize something to us. He has chosen this story to be repeated for our hearing so that we can dive into it. You know, I don't know about you, but when my wife says to me the same thing over and over, I think she really (laughs) wants me to get it. (laughs) Do do you find that at home too? When your family's saying the same thing over and over to you, they're trying to impress upon you. No, this really matters. Yes. I I think we have that going on here. The feeding Mm -hmm. of the 5,000 is being repeated for us because Mm -hmm. the Lord wants us to get this one. And why? What is it about this story that makes it so important? I mean, there are other fantastic miracles. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, but you can only read about it in one place. I mean, angels come and sing to the shepherds when Jesus is born, but you can only read about it in one place. But this story, Mm -hmm. it's four times repeated. I've got some ideas. How about this? A crisis is brewing. Mm -hmm. The scripture says that there were 5,000 men alone. Uh, that tells us there were other people. They weren't counting the women and children. So if there were 5,000 men and there were women and children also, I mean, just if you could extrapolate that, any kind of elementary algebra, 
there probably were 15 to 20,000 people here. And they were out in a field far removed from any food source. They were there because Jesus did fantastic things. That's what the scripture tells us. They were following everywhere because of the miracles he did. I think that's an emblem of the way which Jesus, he changes the way people live for the good. And that draws a crowd. You know, when there's hope, when you realize that maybe things don't have to be this way, mm-hmm. you gravitate towards that. Jesus was magnetic because he changed the way people lived for the better everywhere he went. So you have this huge crowd. They haven't thought about lunch. There's no McDonald's. There's no supermarket. There's no food source. They've just been driving out into the hillside, into the countryside to meet up with him, and they're going to get hungry. Jamie, maybe you don't know this about me, but my family calls me a camel. <laughs> Why they do oh my that? goodness. <laughs> they do that because I just like don't eat or drink for long periods of time. So if we're traveling on vacation, <laughs> my kids are all begging, please stop. Please stop, Dad. We need something to drink. We need a bathroom break. And that's just not on my radar. Mm-hmm. And so I get that. And I realize I'm maybe kind of the odd man out in that. My wife, on the other hand, she has to have food at regular intervals. Okay. And I learned early on in my marriage that if we were going to be gone for a few hours away from the house, I better pack some cheese and crackers. <laughs> she's going to get cross if she doesn't eat on schedule. Yes. She's going to, she's just going to be a little bit irritable. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's not uncommon. All of us sooner or later get hungry, and when you're hungry, you're irritable. Mm-hmm. Think about twenty thousand people who don't have any food, oh uh, even though they're looking for Jesus. Their mm-hmm. hunger is going to overtake them, and there's going to be a crisis. I mean, mm-hmm. you could have a riot. You could have people who are friends arm wrestling with each other over that scrap of food. And this story is important because Jesus sees that coming before anyone else does. Wow. I mean, can you imagine? Jesus can anticipate the crisis before anyone else is even aware that a crisis is coming. And that's one big lesson. And wherever you are in life today, all of us know that we're going to have some rough roads. The story you told, Jamie, about driving in Chicago on the Dan Ryan, and in a moment, your life hung in the balance. A truck came out of nowhere. You didn't see it coming. You don't know what to do. You didn't have time to pray or think or do anything. Jesus saw that coming mm-hmm. before you got there. Yes. And all of us can take comfort knowing Jesus knows what's coming up ahead. He asked Philip a question. What did he ask Philip? Do you recall? He asked how, how are we going to feed these people? But he already knew what he was going to do. That really stood out to me. The scripture tells us he was asking Philip, one of his followers, for a solution, even though he knew already what the solution was. But he was doing it to test Philip. Another Mm -hmm. really important lesson here. Jesus knows what's going to happen, but he may test us with some questions. What do we think should happen as a solution? What's our remedy But he already knew what was going to happen. And another important lesson here is not only does he see the crisis, he already has a solution. And when I get into the crisis, I don't know what to do. I'm like Philip. There's no way to feed these people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If if we all worked for months, there wouldn't be enough money to buy food. Even if there was a place to buy food, all Philip can do is be paralyzed by all of the challenges of the moment, Mm -hmm. all the ways in which it can't be fixed. How many miracles never take place because we just retreat into that can never happen? There's just Mm -hmm. no way. Mm -hmm. That's where Philip and his disciples were. But Jesus was two steps ahead. And so then what happens? We have Andrew, and Andrew shows up with this boy. What does the boy have? He just had two fish and five loaves of bread. I mean, it's it's impossible. (laughs) It's a tiny, it's not even a a happy meal. (laughs) 
in the face of the crowd. (laughs) And of course, Andrew, maybe watching the conversation with Philip, he's thinking, well, it's clear Philip's not going anywhere with Jesus on this. I'll bring forward the boy with a little bit of food, but even Andrew throws his hands up. It's impossible. What what good is that here? Mm But you know what strikes me about this is the disciples had money. Judas was the treasurer. He wasn't the treasurer of nothing. He was the treasurer of something. They had money in this crowd. And the disciples themselves had money, but they didn't offer their money because they thought they didn't have enough, so therefore they would give nothing. The boy gives everything he has, not Mm -hmm. cognitive, that it's not enough. And again, I have to look at myself and think, man, there are so many things that I just drive by and don't even try and help because it just seems impossible. I don't have enough to give, so I won't give anything. I don't have anything to do, so I won't do anything. There's no way I can solve it, so I won't try and solve anything. And this becomes a self-focused way of life that we excuse because we think we don't have the answers. But boy, when you just give what you have, then God can, can do what needs to be done. This boy gave just two fish and five loaves, and then Jesus says, have them sit down. In the other gospel records, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we read about how they they were organized. They actually, Jesus said in the other narratives, he's quoted as saying, have them sit in groups of 50 or 100. He's organizing. Here's another important truth. We have to organize for a miracle. We're always organizing based on what we can do. I've got this. I've got this, God. I can figure this out. I can make an Excel spreadsheet. I can develop a program and a plan. I don't really need you. That's not what we say, but that's how we live. Instead of organizing so that we can receive a miracle. We're not even sure how it's gonna work, but we know we're gonna be ready for it when it comes. There's a way that Jesus has to feed these people. We're gonna be ready for it. We're not sure how it's gonna go, but we'll be ready for it. Okay, how is the miracle unfolded? Does it take place when they put the five loaves of bread and two fish in front of the disciples, and Jesus says, okay, watch this, and he snaps his fingers and says, abracadabra, and all of a sudden, the loaves turn into 10,000 loaves and they watch it happen. And then the disciples might have said, well, we could pass that out. That's not how it happens, is it? No. (laughs) How's it happen? He took the loaves and he gave thanks to God, and then they passed them out. And the miracle took place as they walked by faith, not before Mm -hmm. it was already demonstrated that it was going to be done, but as they passed it out, it multiplied. What a lesson for me. I can't just wait for Jesus to work a miracle and then decide to be in on it. No, I need to be an instrument of the miracle, and I have to, by faith, take a chance that that loaf of bread won't go past my first group. I have to put myself out there. But that's what they did, and the more they passed out, the more that it happened. Miracles, for whatever reason, are often demonstrated as we, by faith, take a chance. Mm. And we're so afraid of taking the risk. Okay, now last thing. How much was left over? Did they just eat it all up, or was some left over? There was a lot left over. (laughs) There was a lot left over. Nothing was wasted. Everyone ate all they wanted. Everyone ate. And then there were 12 baskets left over. So they started with two fish and five small barley loaves, and they ended up with 12 baskets full of food left over. It was more than enough. More, Because the Lord honored them and gave them more than what they hoped for because they were faithful and they took a chance. And he was honored. This story is repeated four times and probably became a signature of the whole ministry of Jesus. Because for people who lived day to day, not sure where their next meal would be, this would be the phenomenon of their whole lifetimes, to be fed like this. 
we're accustomed to going to supermarkets and buying food when we need it, but it's still a terrific miracle. And it's something that teaches us. So where are you today in life? Are you uh, in that crowd and you're not sure where your next meal's coming from? Are you facing something that you just feel hopeless and helpless in its wake? Are you discouraged? You're not sure what to do? Are you saying, there's just no way I can get out of this? There's just no way this can work? There's no way this can be turned for the good? If that's where you are, we're here to tell you Jesus is right close by. And he is willing to hear your heart cry and to come alongside and do what you cannot do and turn it for the good. Make out of that crisis something that is a blessing and something you'll never forget. But you have to give him all that you have. You have to be willing to take a chance with him for his miraculous power to come into play. How do you do that? Well, you can do it right now by starting with us in prayer. Just take a deep breath and pray with us. Our Father, we're so thankful today for the story of Jesus, and we're thankful for the reality of Jesus, and we're thankful for the feeding of the 5,000. And we know that that's not just a single event in history. We know that you're still in the business of coming alongside us in our most desperate hours and doing what we can't do for ourselves and turning the bad for the good and giving us more than enough. Lord, for everyone who's joining us in this prayer today, whose heart is broken, whose back is against a wall, who finds themselves in a corner, and they're just not sure how to get out of it or to go forward. Lord, we bow before you and join them and surrender ourselves to you. We admit that we're helpless. We admit that we have done wrong, that we have been less than our best, and that our corner may be of our own making. But Lord, now we admit that we need you and we surrender to you. We thank you for Jesus, for his work on the cross, for his rising from the dead, for his life now, for his Holy Spirit beside us. And I pray, Lord, as we surrender today, may you now work a miracle and provide for us life abundantly, more than enough. I pray for everyone, Lord, who is praying this prayer with us now, that within 30 days, they will see the astonishing and unassailable evidence of your answer for the good. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you'd like to know more about this Jesus about whom we're speaking, if you'd like us to pray with you or for you, or if you just have a comment or a thought you want to share, we want to hear your voice. Give us a call 24 hours a day and seven days a week. We're right by the phone. Dial this number toll-free, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-VIEW. 8439. We're by the phone and we want to hear from you. Now, Jamie, people may be reluctant to pick up the phone. Sometimes, you know, you're just not sure you're ready for a live conversation, but maybe you'd like to reach out with an email. Well, they can check us out online too. This is our address, CBH Christians Broadcasting Hope, cbhviewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You can also send us an email and we will reply. Or at the last, just write me a letter. Send it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, or use the post, please let us hear from you this week. Jimmy Wilkerson, so glad to have you as part of our CBH team. Thanks for diving into the uh, Gospel of John with us today. You're welcome. It was so great to be here. And we're so glad that you joined us too, and we hope you'll be with us again next week. 
as we go a little bit farther in John's Gospel and learn some more about how Jesus is more than enough. He's just more than we could hope for, no matter what our station or our difficulty in life. For all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.